Hey there, you. Welcome to another episode of The Grass is Greener. I am Paul Green. I'm your host, and my guest today is the legendary one and only Candace Cameron Bure. You know Candace probably mostly as DJ Tanner from Full House and Fuller House. She's an actress, a producer, an author, a talk show panelist. She was on The View for a while. She is the queen of Hallmark, and she's currently on the Aurora Tea Garden novel series and, you know, a dozen or so holiday movies with them. She was in Christmas Detour with me, which was really fun. She's also been on Dancing with the Stars and finished in third place, and um, her brother is Kirk Cameron from Growing Pains. She's really done so much, but... She is also a designer, and she's created these really cool journals and and a version of the Bible that's easy to navigate through. Candace is one of my favorites. She's really funny and open and curious, and she has very strong beliefs, and she doesn't make other people feel like you have to have her beliefs in order to be accepted by her. She's she's uh, curious and funny. And she's got a lot of projects that are about to come out. And I wanted to get her on here just to kind of dive into some of our favorite conversations that we cover. We talk about a lot in this, of course, acting and writing, but um, relationship and understanding God, at least from our perspectives and her perspective, and um, it was a great conversation. I hope you enjoy it. So, as always, please subscribe here on iTunes and leave a review and a comment. And also, if you could share it, that would be superbly radical. Uh, and the background is the stone from my album Freedom for Your Soul. So, without any hesitation and lots of excitement and anticipation here is my conversation with candace cameron bure enjoy okay well candace is here how are you candace i'm good paul how are you good i'm so um so happy that you're here on the grass is greener do you know what my podcast is about no did i tell you well, it's, no. it's, from a, it's from a quote. I mean, you wouldn't know unless I told you probably, but the grass is greener where you water it is the full quote instead of the grass is greener on the other side. And my name is Paul Green, and this is like a green room. And it all there's a lot of green in this conversation, but you, the grass is greener where you water it is nurturing the things that you love, like your relationships and your your body and your family and your relationship to God. And I feel like we're in this society where every everyone thinks the grass is greener somewhere else and we're always comparing. So you're one of the people that pops into my mind when I think about someone who nurtures not, not just their soul, but their relationships and their, and your body because of, you know, all this amazing fitness stuff. So I thought you'd be a great fit. And of course, you're one of my favorite co-stars that I've ever worked with. Um, And, and you're what you were requested so heavily to come on here. So you are a director because you directed Fuller House, right? Mm-hmm. You're a writer, not just like the, yes. not, your books. You have several, several books. You're a producer. Yes. You're a producer. Yes. You're a mom. Yeah. You're, a, you're a wife. You're a daughter. You're 
also like you're an entrepreneur, like you have all these like clothing designers and you have devotional books and you have other like, so, and you know, what, what, what am I missing? Is there any, is there any I'm missing in here? No, that's a lot of it. <laughs> that's, a lot of, that's enough to make absolutely everybody Candace go. Does she have a different clock? Like, do you have 30 hours in your day? How the devil do you do all this? Honestly. With a lot of help. I have a team. I mean, I have a company and, and uh, a business that I run aside from all the acting stuff, but I have a, a really great team that, that helps. And <laughs> I mean, it's a large production, all the things that I do. So I couldn't do it without uh, everyone that's along for the ride with me in my company. And when did this, when did the entrepreneurial, the entrepreneurial side start? Because I know you took a big break to be with your family for most of the 2000s, right? Like to be at home. And then when you came yeah. back, you sort of came roaring back, like with, with yeah. all these sides to you that it's almost like your gifts to give people, you sort of, you had so many to offer and it, it, it just went boom, 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 boom. Like how, how did that happen? Well, I've been working my butt off. I've been working my butt off for the last, really my whole life. I mean, you know, I've been in this business since I was 10 years old, but within the last 15 years that I came back into the business after taking a break to raise my kids, you know, I came back with a lot more knowledge because I really invested in the time with my children as a mom, but that was also a huge time of prayer for all the things that I wanted to do as well. So when I came back into the industry and started working again at you know 30 years old, I knew all the things I wanted to do. I had been praying for 15 years to do it all. And then you just make it happen. I'm a very patient person, but I have great partnerships. And so none, none of this just happened by chance. It's not like, oh, all of a sudden you're designing clothes. Oh, all of a sudden you have products that are, no, like these have been thought out. These have been developed over a long period of time. And I'm 45 now. Like this is the time where I'm like, if it's not going to happen, it probably won't happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when you work, when you work that many years, I'm like, this is the age it's supposed to hit. Mm. And it's been, it's been such a, I mean, Stephen Pressfield who wrote a book called the war of art didn't get his first book published till he was 53. So, I mean, I think it like persistence and, and this, you have something, you have, you have something to say, like you have something, you have a gift. Well, thank you. Let me preface that by saying, I, I don't think there's an age limit. It's not all like right. you all of a sudden, if you haven't hit your goals by 45, it's never going to happen. <laughs> Please don't misinterpret what, <laughs> what I mean. I just meant for me, I'm like, yes, I am at that age where I feel like all the time and development I've put in, it, I'm finally reaping the harvest, but yeah. that still happen at 60 years old or 70 or whatever. Yeah. I mean, wasn't Colonel Sanders like 80 or something when he sold or 70, 76 right. when he sold his chicken recipe. But like, when you say you're praying about it, like what, what do you mean? Like when you're 15 years where you were raising 10 years or 15 years, you're raising your family. Well, I took break. 10 years off. Okay. 
Yeah, a little bit more than that. But I've, you know, I've been praying about my career since I was a young child. I've always been a praying person, (laughs) but it got, you know, I started praying more heavily once I was in my 20s and my relationship with God really meant something more personal to me and was my own relationship and not just because of being a child and being brought up a certain way. Um, so that's why I say like 10 or 15 years, like I've been praying my whole life. Mm-hmm. I just love that. And I, I mean, I don't, you don't hear a lot of people like share that they were praying through this time. And then like, it sounds very thoughtful how you re how you came back in. It wasn't just like, it wasn't just random, but like, and then you find yourself on the view and I'm, and we're kind of jumping all over the place. Cause I have a, I have a really I just imagined like your brother at when you're a teenager is on growing pains and you're was were they on at the same time? Yeah. He started years before full house started, but he was already like mega heart throb, teen heart throb by yeah. the time I started full house. He did. And that must have been so wild for your parents. I met your mom and dad at one of the tapings of fuller house and they were so nice to me you had uh invited oliver my son and i and we got to watch one of the episodes that you were when that was on and i just remember meeting your your dad and your mom had such a warmth they actually really reminded me of my parents just this yeah such a softness and such a listening like they're not out there they listened to what i said it was just it really they really affected me your parents Oh, they're so sweet. They are super warm, kind, loving people. It it must have been so wild for them to have two teenagers on two of the biggest shows because those were massive. I remember watching them. And then you were also on Who's the Boss, which I remember like you had a guest star on Who's the Boss. One episode, yeah. One episode? Young Mona. I played played Mona as like a six-year-old little girl. Wow. Who's, who's, which one's Mona? Mona was the grandmother, the redhead. Okay. Okay. Grandmother that, that lived with them and she was really bossy. Right. And you got to play her at six years old. Uh (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Well, that, I mean, just, there's all these knowing, like when they told me that we were going to be doing Christmas detour together, I, when I looked you up and then I saw, of course, some of the earlier pictures show up with you as DJ Tanner on, uh-huh. on, and it was this instant, like nostalgic, uh, moment where I was like, oh, we're going to go do a film together. And I worked with Alyssa Milano and I was watching who's the boss. I just remember as a little kid watching TV, mm-hmm. not much. Cause my parents were very Christian and we weren't really, we were just, we would go out and mow the grass or pick weeds. Like our television time was so small that it was just like for Disney and maybe full house. Honestly, I don't know how we got who's the boss in there because it was a bit like, you know, I would sneak watching who's the boss too. Like right. eight o'clock, my sister and I, we had this little TV that was about this big in our bedroom. And it was a big deal when my parents put it in and eight o'clock bedtime, but we turn it on super low and we would watch who's the boss. Right. Like, and Tony, Tony Danza, I just remember kind of wanting to be like Tony Danza. It was ridiculous. And now I can't hear that. I can't hear the Elton John song, Tiny Dancer without hearing, hold me closer, Tony Danza. And it ruined, it's like, it ruined it for me. Somebody, totally. I, I, I don't, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yes. Yes. 
I almost don't want to share it because I don't want to ruin everyone's. Uh, I'm not going to share that. I'm not, I was about to sing it, but I'm like, that's just mean. It's it's like it's like mean. Or we're having get someone putting Justin Bieber's "Baby Baby" in your head, and there it is, and you can't get it out. Um. So so yes, when I found out you and I were doing Christmas Detour, which we did with the wonderful Ron Oliver. Oliver. Um, you, when I first met you, you were so sick. You were, you were coming off of like a bronchitis or a, a really rough cold. Do you remember in our first meeting, like you were, you were all bundled up and, and we had our scripts and we kind of, that was our first meeting. It was like, we didn't really like really shake hands or hug. Cause you were super sick. And then, but you like a pro pulled it somehow together from being, you were really, I remember you had a really rough we cold pushed- or something we pushed production like a day or two because I was so sick. I think I had the flu and bronchitis and whatever. And it was awful. And I'm like, okay, I'm good enough. Like I can walk and talk, but this, these first few days of filming might be rough. I'm not going to be myself, but just help me out. And you know, I'm also an energetic person. So to come onto a set for the very first day, meeting all these new people, meeting you, meeting Ron, and then not feeling like yourself and having the energy, that was probably the hardest thing for me to just not be who I normally am and think like, oh, this is the first impression I'm giving everyone. But anyway, you you do what you have to do. And I think I, (laughs) you know, by the second week I was finally in the groove. (laughs) Yeah. And we found, we did find our groove and we had such a great supporting cast too. And, uh, and I, I re I just remember laughing, laughing and enjoying myself so much. Like obviously, and we talked, you know, I just love how quickly you were able to talk about so many things like your faith. And I was so curious about your faith because I come from a, a similar background and, yeah. and it just fascinates me that, your relationship to God has seemed so, so steady and so stable. And has it always been, or did you have a squirrely moment or two as it through your teens? Did you go off the rails on a crazy train? No, no, (laughs) no, not even, not even a few minutes. I mean, did I, do I look back and do dumb teenage things or dumb young adult things? Of course I did, but it wasn't really in terms of my relationship with God or losing faith or be like, I want nothing to do with God again. I've just never, never been that person. I've loved God and, and have always felt his presence in my life. And I certainly grew and matured a lot in my relationship in my twenties, because I actually started reading my Bible, which I wasn't doing in my teenage years, but I still had just a foundation of faith. Like I knew I loved Jesus. I knew Jesus. Uh, like I gave my life to Jesus at 12. So I'm like, I, I knew that. And there was no questioning that, but then I didn't actually get to know God until my early twenties. And that was by reading the Bible. But again, I've just never, it's not that I haven't questioned it. I've certainly had lots of questions, but I feel I just trust the Bible. And the faith part has been very easy for me. I just, I have faith in God's word and what he says is true. Right. And that's never, you've never doubted that or in, where does that come from? Like, why? 
It's a good question. I, I, I don't know. I don't know why the actual leap of faith or having faith is easier for some people than others. You know, I talked to my dad still, my dad is 77 years old. My dad is a Christian, but you know, probably came to Christ mm, 15 years ago. I mean, took him just like a long time. And still to this day, he's always like, it's very hard for me to believe certain things. I just have to trust it. And he's like, I do, but it's really hard. So I, and for me, I'm like, I I just don't. And I know my mom's the same way too. It's very easy to trust. Yeah. I think my mom's the same way too. My my mom's very like afraid of things going wrong in the world because she was a nurse and an EMT mm-hmm. like ambulance driver so she's she doesn't she trusts in everything about God but then when it comes to like she doesn't hear from her sons for a couple of days she's like the world is over like it's right, and, I, right. and I'm like mom you have so much faith don't worry come on like everyone's just like that as soon as it comes down to your kids you're like ah. I know I know what what faith you actually you actually met my mom and it, she uh, she's that's right. so Sweet. She is so sweet. I love that. I think I your mom was really happy that we were hanging out too, because I would <laughs> talk about Jesus all the time. So your mom was happy. Oh yeah. You lit my mom up like a Christmas tree. She just, and she's got that warmth, like she, and you know, my mom, God, I just love my mom so much. And she, whenever I bring her on set, she loves it. But I think her, her meeting you was definitely a big, a big, uh, she loved that. And then she also got to play our fake mom where we came to the door and it was because the actress wasn't there. My mom stood there. Remember? And she's like so yeah. shy. We have a yeah. picture. We have a picture of that. I'll try and I'll try and put it up. Um, and so I, I, I just, I love talking to you about this because I mean, it's you're, I think it is, it is challenging for a lot of people to, when there's a lot of questions that are unanswered to just, to just go, the Bible says it, I believe it. And that settles it for me, right? Like that old hymn or that old camp song, but you know, it's one thing I admire about you, Candace, is even if somebody has different views, like you know, I, I, I noticed you're able to still, to still have them feel loved and accepted, which is, you know, probably exactly how Jesus would have been with them. But like someone as diverse or as different as Ron Oliver is like, you're one of his favorites too. And you guys couldn't be more different in your ideologies and your politics and, or whatever, and the beliefs, but it doesn't matter because you're able to, and like you have this book, right? The kindness is a new classy. Is that what it's called? New classy. Yeah. It's like, you're able to be kind Candace. And I think sometimes when people get deep in a belief system, they forget that they, they get, it's so important for them, for everyone to believe what they believe that they forget to be kind. And it's like, you have this kind of ease and kindness about you that I, I really respect. And, and I, and I admire. I appreciate that so much. And I thank you. But at the same time, I just want to say as a Christian, and if you're a Christian watching this, if there isn't a kindness and a love about you, then there's something wrong in your understanding of Jesus. Because Jesus is is the most loving, 
so grace-filled, uh, so kind in not only all of the, the works that he did, but the sacrifice that he gave for his life for all mankind. So when we do become, if we become self-righteous, legalistic, we are like, you know, the religious leaders. We're not actually acting like Jesus. So I appreciate the word so much. And I, I'm like, hey, that means I'm doing an okay job representing Jesus. But I, that should be true for all Christians. I, I totally agree, especially as that motive to be motivated by love and, and, and to be that the kindness comes from that, the, the, from inside it's like, but I, I think just like believing is easier for some people. I think kindness is just comes easier for some people. Like there's a lot of, it's not, you make it look easy. I grew up on the sunny side of the rock, like where I wake up and I'm pretty excited about the day and my default mode is very positive and kind like i just i'm not a mean person but i think some people depends on how they were wounded as a young person or yes. what they saw growing up right the the people they looked up to that were gods to them before they knew who god was their parents if there's violence or abuse or anger rate all those things them for someone like that to dig deep and, and, and find kindness. It's just like, it's not like your parents are kind. Your parent, my parents are just kind. So it's almost like, how do you think Candace, that someone who was raised with violence and that can find that? It is so true. Kindness must be practiced. Kindness. We can inherently have certain things about us that are easier than others, as you said, but kindness still has to be practiced and you have to make a choice to be kind. And, and you're right. I was raised by loving, kind people. So for someone that wasn't around that, I think it's then going to be the outside influences. It's going to be friends. It's going to be the people they interact with at work. So if you're the kind person in their life, if I'm that kind person, they run in onto the street, you hope that you make a little difference in the, in their day that maybe they then project that kindness on someone else because we made them feel good just by smiling or saying thanks or saying, hi, how are you? And looking them in the eye and making them feel like a person, a human being that's being seen and acknowledged for the day. And it might be like literally two seconds of your day, or it could be an ongoing relationship with someone that you are the kind in their life. Yeah. And it's like, like you just said, there's a ripple effect. You're being kind causes someone else to go feel a little bump in their spirit and be a little more kind. And I actually read something or heard something where you you were looking for a cake for your daughter and you got upset with someone and you went back and you apologized. So, I mean, we can actually undo unkindnesses by just admitting we were wrong and go back and be like, look, I was having a bad day and I was stressed about getting the right cake for my daughter. And I, I'm sorry. Like how am I right? Yeah. I mean, that's what I did that one day. <laughs> it was just like an easy example. Cause I was like, Oh, big fail. Fail yeah. on this day. I was mean to someone who didn't deserve it because I was stressed out and having a bad day. But what I can do is rectify that and at least go apologize. So yeah. in my soul, I couldn't, I like, I had to do that. 
It's like, I don't want to be that person. So I'm going to go back and apologize. And I did. And that, that person would have remembered you for life one way. And now they're going to remember you like, cause, cause humility and, and taking responsibility like that, I feel it's, is such a, it's so much like more, more impactful, even than just being kind all the time. Like, meaning if you were just went in there and walked out, that's one thing, but you showed her that you're not like, you can make a mistake. You can ask for forgiveness. You can take responsibility. And there's, and it's like, it's a powerful thing to do. I think. Yeah, I do too. And the, and the truth was it, I don't know which is more selfish because selfishly I had to apologize for me because I just didn't want to be that person. And I hope that it made a difference to that person. I apologize to, but it, but I selfishly did it for myself because I'm, you know what I mean? Yeah. More, of more than even just saying, Hey, I hope you don't look at me as a mean person. And I hope you recognize I'm a nice person. That wasn't the motivation. It was just like, I don't want to be that person. Right. Right. I mean, but we, yeah, of course we all make mistakes and we all have moments where we, where we lose our center and we lose our cool. So how do you find your way back to the center? And like, I call it the center, but to your heart or to that place yep. of how do you find your way when things, cause you have so much going on. There has to be times where you're like, holy, like, okay. <laughs> like, so, so how, what do you, do you have a, I know you have a, I want to talk about your fitness routine. I'm sure that helps you with the endorphins and all that to keep moving, but do you have a meditation practice? Is there, is when you pray, is there a meditation part to it? Yeah, I feel like it's all one in the same for me, at least. Um, I always go back to gratitude though. That's what will like instantly bring me back to, to my center when I am feeling frazzled and overwhelmed, it's just, I go, oh, I, I mean, as simple as I am breathing today, I am healthy, my family's healthy, I have a home, it is beautiful in California. It is, whatever, whatever those things are that are around me, I just go right back to the gratitude, reminding myself of the incredible things that, and it's not, things, but it's just like, I'm alive and I have a family and I'm, that's wonderful. And that's it. So it's, it's like, okay, Candace, like get, like, take a breath, take a deep breath, get it together. And, you know, let's move on in a state of gratitude and take it step by step or whatever I have to do that day. Um, so that's my instant tool that I will go to is gratitude. But of course, you know, I start my day off with prayer and it could literally be, you know, three minutes in bed while I'm still half waking up, but I'm just talking to God, or it might be on my face on the floor next to my bed where I spend 20 minutes just praying and going through all the things that I just want God to guide me through and be there for me and, and protect me and open the doors and create my path for that day. Mm -hmm. And then gratitude again at night before I go to bed, Lord, thank you for th these things that happened today. Thank you for this and that. And sometimes those are things that might not have been great, 
but it's still having gratitude. Like, thanks for that hard conversation. Thank you for showing me this, that I think I need to work on that. You know, all those kinds of things. Yeah. I think gratitude, I'm glad that you, and I hope that people listening can, it's such a, it it is such a magical, just powerful tool because it's, you start focusing on what's there rather than on what's missing. And you, you end up getting more of what's there because you're, if you're focused on everything you're missing and how crappy things are, and, and it's almost like a negative spiral into more of that vibe. Whereas if you're being grateful, it's like, you're just, you're, you're, you're creating, oh, there it went. There's my button. I told you, I told you this button as a mind in the, at the weirdest times. I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for this button for the 33 percent of the time it actually works um yes but I, most of the ladies ladies are saying we're grateful that that button keeps popping <laughs> open so we can look at paul a little bit longer <laughs> yeah i'm sure i'm sure uh so i i thank you for sharing that tool because it's definitely one of mine when i before i get out of bed i think I thank God. And I, I like go through my body and I'm like, thank you knees. Like, cause I'm 40, you know, six and I can play volleyball with my son. Who's similar to, to your youngest age. Um, and actually they went to Pali together. They went to the same school together when it was open. And I thank you for my throat and my voice that I can sing and my ears that I can. And I sort of go through my whole body before I get out of bed, just getting present to the miracle that this temple is that we get to rock around uh, and experience this life in a certain way. And that I thankful for the energy that I have, because I I wake up feeling pretty spunky with energy. Um, so yeah, thank you for, I, <laughs> I just, I do, I've always kind of been a bit of a, yeah. you know, not ADD. I just have, I just don't get tired. Like my son and we played two days of volleyball straight and he was like napping. He's like, dad, what is wrong with you? Why aren't you napping? Why aren't you taking a nap? But, but you know, yeah, I know. Gratitude's so, a good thing. I really appreciate that. And I, and what do you do? What's your daily like routine Candace for your fitness in your body? And like, let's start with this. What did you have for breakfast? I don't eat breakfast. Do you fast? Yeah, I just, I don't really get hungry until like 11 o'clock. So I usually eat an early lunch. Um, unless I'm working, because you know, once we're filming a Hallmark movie, then the schedule, at least my schedule, I don't know what you do, but my schedule is a completely different one. It's like my normal routine goes out the door once I'm filming a movie. But um, I drink matcha. First thing in the morning, I love my matcha tea and I love the ritual of making matcha. And, but I don't eat breakfast, but I, so I'll work out on an empty stomach and um, I worked out this morning. I'm kind of getting back into it because I've shot a couple movies this year already. So my fitness always lags while I'm working because it's a lot. So I've felt a little blobby lately. <laughs> now I was like, motivation now is like, so I met a girlfriend and we did some stairs in Santa Monica that were great. And then we went and did some of my Kira Stokes workout app after with some bands. And so, you know, I worked out for an an hour, hour and a half, a little longer, just because I was with a girlfriend. And, um, and then I would have had lunch probably by now, but I 
had, I got busy. I had some other things this morning. And as you know, I ran a little bit late and then I haven't had time to eat yet. <laughs> you still haven't eaten. Does, does your trainer, um, Kira, does she, uh, I know you've spoke, we see her on your Instagram quite a bit. Yeah. Does she, is she a proponent of intermittent fasting for, for women or is that just not really? She actually doesn't talk food. Too much about- yeah. Really? Um, I mean, she will with me or her personal clients, but she's not a nutritionist or a registered dietitian. So she feels very strongly that you should work with someone in, in that field when it comes to nutrition. And because she, I mean, she's unbelievable and her fitness and all of her degrees are in fitness, but she, to me has a very unique uh, body and lifestyle because she's going like 24 seven working out and training. And she's like an energizer bunny. Like you think you have a lot of energy. I think I have a lot of energy and Kira's like 10 times the energy. It's like nuts to me. So even her eating, when we talk about it, she eats differently than a lot of people. She's like a little, like, she eats so much food through the day, but that would not work for a normal person. But she just is burning so much throughout her day because she's always working out. So she eats, she consumes quite a bit of food. So she's like, I don't, what works for your body is different than what works for my body. So because she's not a nutritionist, she doesn't guide in that way, which I think is really smart. Like let the professional, each professional do their job. That's why some people I get frustrated with when they like, do all kinds of things, but they're not trained in it or not that everyone has to be certified, but I really respect people that have gone through the training and have the degrees and the certification. So they actually know what they're talking about. Yeah. And, but you touched on something really important too, is everyone's so different Mm -hmm. and everyone's body reacts differently to dairy or to gluten or to fasting might be, makes some people super anxious and make, might be the Holy grail for others. So it's, for me too, it's been such a lifelong journey of finding what makes me feel like my best. And, and have you always been into fitness or is that something, sorry, what were you saying? Oh, I was just going to say, and it changes. I feel like each year as, as each year goes on and I just get older, I mean, I'm very in tune with my body and I love listening to my body. So when it comes to food and comes to fitness, I'm constantly adjusting So when someone's like, well, what do you eat? And what's your routine? I'm like, well, I could tell you now, but again, this is my body. It's not your body. You should listen to your body, but it might be different a year from now because I'm constantly listening and and readjusting and reevaluating what my body needs. Yeah. I think you're the same way, right? I am the same way. I don't get stuck in one thing. I'll try something on for a while, like bone broth or whatever. And then and celery juice. And I'll go through, I'll kind of try things and just go oh, that, and then just be present enough to go, does this actually feel like it works for me? Cause you might read a testimonial of somebody where celery juice got them off of all their meds and they, this and that. And it's like, but not every single person is, is it's perfect for, I mean, there's, I, I feel like just eat as many great fruits and veggies as you can drink a ton of water, get good sleep and move your body every day. And it's like, and then have a centering practice, like gratitude or prayer or meditation. I think that's like the simplest kind of works for everyone, like water, sleep, high water, high water content food, like fruits and veggies. I find 
works for everyone in some capacity. I mean, the odd person just eats meat, which is bizarre to me. There's a couple of people that are only, you know, the, the carnivore diet. And like, there's a cut, you know, Jordan Peterson is a guy out there who his body was shutting down from inflammation and his daughter too. So him and his daughter just started to eat only meat and it just wild he be he he completely turned just from eating meat that's all he ate was his body he went from looking beat up and old to like young and super fit wow um, and at like 55 or 56 or something wow. um, but then interesting story there's a lot of people i know i would never do that because do that that just, I eat vegetables and fruit too much and i feel like God made them plentiful for us. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. I know. And even though I grew up on a farm, I have such a love for animals. Like I'm not a vegetarian and mm -hmm. I get the whole thought of like, if you're going to eat meat, go, I have friends that go hunting for their own with a bow. Like they're like, if I can't catch it with a bow, I'm not going to eat it. And, but that process is just, I love animals so much. Uh, I'm not a vegetarian, but I have a really, I eat meat so rarely. It's just, and, you know, I, I just, I feel like that, but, but some people, I'm an A blood type and A's, my ancestors ate fish and vegetables. They didn't eat red meat. So my fiance, Kate is an O blood type and she, her ancestors were meat eaters. So she, and they're robust, like they never get COVID. They, she never gets sick. It's just wild. So I, the, the, have you read the book eating right for your blood type? I haven't read it, but of course I've heard of it. And yeah. I knew my blood type at one time. I don't remember what I am anymore. Are your, I, are you, are, are your family Scandinavian or Northern European? Um, well, I guess, I mean, it's so many generations, but my dad's family is Scottish. Cameron is the clan. <laughs> so it's like pretty common. My, my, my mom's side was from Germany. Okay. Okay. You would probably be an A something like an A negative or an A positive. Maybe if that's Northern Europeaners, like that part are, I'm going to call um, my doctor and get my chart out. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And find out. And, but I love like fish is predominantly my animal protein. Cause I'm not a vegetarian either, but I don't eat meat that often. You know, I might have it once a month or something. And, but I love fish. Like I love fish. I love vegetables. I love fruit. Do you, do you cook? I love food too, but I just, you love, yeah, you love junk food. So do you have like a little, do you have a zig and zag? Like, do you allow yourself a little fun and then you mostly eat great and then allow some fun in there? Is that how you do it? Totally. Yeah. It's all about moderation. Like I do not restrict. I just, I just moderate. So when I know I want something, I have it. And usually that's like within a week, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to dinner on Saturday. So, or I'm, I know we haven't been going out to dinner that much <laughs> this last year, but right. if I know like I'm going to celebrate something or I want to have this or that on Saturday, I just make sure I eat you know, pretty clean through the week. And then some days when I'm in Napa, uh, because, you know, we have a home there and a vineyard. Don't, and don't you have a vineyard? You have a, you, you, your family has a, is it, you make wine. Now, what is it under your hubby's? Sorry. Is it what? Under it's your hubby's name? Wine, wines. Okay. And that's what Val started when he retired from hockey. I didn't know that. I heard, you know who, you know who I heard? I think Oliver Hudson, who you did a Christmas movie with, who's a buddy of mine. 
I think either you guys sent them wine yes, or he did. And yeah. he told me and he told he me it was he had it with a friend of ours. They, yeah, yeah, and they told he told me it was absolutely delicious. It's like is it is there is it all different kinds of grapes? Because I love wine. Like so what do you guys what's your main grape there? Cabernet. Okay. Like a cab. Yeah, it's pr- produced three cabernets. Okay. Oh, is there a white or are they all red? No, Cabernet is red. So, um, they're, they're they're, just, okay. Yeah. So we did produce a few white wines. We don't do them anymore. I mean, we've been producing for, um, 16 years now. So at one point we were, we had some whites, but we don't now we're just, we have the three Cabernets, um, and some of them have some Cab Franc in it. And one of them's predominantly a Cab Franc. And one of them is our estate, which is all Cabernet Sauvignon. Wow. Wow. And how do people buy it if they wanted to get this wine? Very difficult. So oh, we are, why? well, we're a very small production and we are, we are very specific in that to, I, it's always hard. If you really, really enjoy wine and know your wine knowledge, we are a brand you would, you would seek out, but um, we are not, we're sold in very few restaurants because our production is small and um, you know, it's a very high end quality wine. So you, you would, you have to get on the mailing list. We sell mostly like 95% by mailing list. But I think right now it's about a five-year wait to get on the mailing list because once our production goes out for release, you basically have a day to buy your allocation because it just is gone. Are you and serious? It's, it's, it sounds like your QVC, uh, <laughs> your, your QVC problem. Like I, I was reading some comments. I know, but a different market. <laughs> <laughs> a different, a de- very different market. Couldn't, sounds like it couldn't, uh, but in the sense that there's, it was, everyone was like, it was sold out so quickly. You're, I and, and I want to talk about that in a minute, but while we're talking about your husband, Val, I remember growing up hearing, Probably, I can't remember if it was Val's name, but definitely Pavel. His brother's name is Pavel, right? And because I grew up in hockey land, right? And so the, uh, he was he, did he play for Detroit? His brother? No. So his brother played for the Canucks for almost his whole career. And then for the Florida Panthers very briefly, and then finished for the New York Rangers. That was Pavel. But Val played for. Montreal Canadiens, Calgary Flames, St. Louis Blues, Dallas Stars, Florida Panthers, and then finished with the LA Kings, but actually never played as a, a game during the season because he got had a career-ending injury in a preseason game right, right after he signed. It was such a bummer. Brutal. Oh, yeah. Well, I remember growing up hearing that name. And then I'm, when we were working together, you were telling me about a little bit about how you guys met. And I just love the story. Will you share, like, it's, there's something so charming about the age that you were. And it's such a, it's such a beautiful love story that you guys have been together now. What is it? 25 years? 25 years in June. I know Mr. Romance, by the way, Paul, 
I think you are Mr. Romance. What? Why? Because like, every, I don't know, all your pictures <laughs> I see and everything with Kate, I'm just like, you are Mr. Romance. So I'm like, maybe you need to like help me think of some things because I'm kind of the worst sometimes at like plan, not just planning special events, but it's thinking of some of the little details. I think yeah. I think of with work so much that when it comes to my own life, I'm like, I need someone to help me think of something that I don't know, just some little special things. So maybe you can, <laughs> you yeah. can help yeah. like, special things I could have or do for our 25th anniversary. I love that. That's like, that is incredible. Um, I, I'll get back to you on that. Cause I do have some okay. ideas. Okay. I mean, if most men love things like tech, like techie things like but but that's like a gift that you give but i think you're thinking more of like something really yeah, romantic so details, like now you know he's a food and wine guy that's his love language so i mean yes i can get great bottles of whatever and and food and the restaurants and like all of that is special but i don't know it's other little details that mm. i don't know we can you talk about yeah, no, we can. But you just talked, you just mentioned the love languages. Obviously, do you know the, the book, The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman? What is, what is your love language? So it is words of encouragement. It is, hey? Like, That's words. Not more than quality time, more than gift giving, all that. Yeah. I, I think it's up there for me too. Somebody telling me that I'm doing a good job. It seems maybe it's because we're actors. It's like, I like think so. I honestly think that's a huge part of it. It was like as a little kid when a director would say, Good job. Well done. That was great. And I think it just said right. everything. So I always am looking to like, Did I do a good job? Did I do a good job? So when someone tells me that and it feels genuine, I mean, if I can tell it's BS and someone's like, oh, that was great, but they're faking it. It doesn't mean anything to me. But when someone really tells me how they feel or, yeah. or whatever, it's just like yeah. words mean a lot to me. So let me ask you this because I, I feel the same way uh, and, and it's something I've it was a blind spot for a while, meaning I, I needed, not needed. I didn't know that I, that this was happening, but I, I, I really fed off people's love, acceptance, approval, and yeah. admiration. And I noticed a few years ago that it was actually what was driving me. And how do you navigate those worlds? Because that, that information coming at you, that Candace, you did great in that movie and and you know they love your da, 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 they love your clothing they love your books they're selling you're selling out of this and that and then it's just like an instagram right like millions of people follow you and you look at a photo you put and there's like you know a hundred couple hundred thousand comments and it's like how do you motivate yourself from the inside candace like how when there's so much coming um and i'm asking for a friend here <laughs> <laughs> This guy, this guy, your friend. You know, what? one thing, honestly, because I love those words of affirmation so much, um, I really have to dismiss a lot of them, especially from people that aren't actually in my circle of life, that I don't know, you know, the, the people that I don't know well, I really have to like say, like, thank you, but forget them. 
because just what you said, it can drive you and feed you to a point that's not healthy. So I really try not to pay attention to those words, even though they're lovely and kind words. I know that's not good for me. So I, um, a lot of times I just have to like receive it and throw it out. And then it's with the people that I love, my husband, my parents, my children, my best friend. If they tell me something like, then I'm like, okay, this is meaningful and I will accept it to the fullest. And it does fill me up and it feels great. But that's where I allow to feel it the fullest. When it just comes from people I don't know and like, I love you, you're a great actress. And you're, I do appreciate those words so much, but I have to throw them out. Otherwise my drive, my ego, my everything is like not, it's not good. I, I totally know what you mean, but like, what, what does drive, what is your drive then? Like what, what motivates you to continue to create at the level that you create Candace and like the impact that you have on young women and on older women. And like, what do, do you have? I, I know you, you, you would, what's your, what drives you? <laughs> I was going to put something, I was going to put something in your mouth. I'd be like, I know your North star is Jesus. But then I was like, hold on. Maybe she has a different North star. I know. I, I'm like, I'm going to give you the answer. You're already expecting. Jesus, Jesus drives me. It really is my love for Christ. And it is my desire to share with the world, whoever wants to listen about Christ. I want to share the gospel. So all the things that I do, they are really motivated in just sharing God's love with people. And, you know, people might say like, well, how does a clothing line share Jesus with people? Well, God gives us all gifts and talents and all of that stuff in our passions and desires. And and we get to fulfill them that way. But if I, because maybe you like fashion and then you check me out on my website and say like, oh, I didn't know she's a Christian. Um, maybe that's something that intrigues you. Maybe you want to read more about that. Maybe you want to have a conversation with me or it might go the other way. Like, I don't want to know about that. And I'm okay with that. I'm not trying to shove it in your face. And I still want to be friends with you if you're not a Christian or don't want anything to do with that. But my motivation comes from a desire to share Christ with people. Really? Mm -hmm. But like, so you, what, there's so many different like ideas of what a Christian is. So what is it from your perspective and from your understanding of the scriptures and, and like, what is a Christian? Because it's, you know, there's several billion in the world and, and it's, but like for you, like, what is a Christian and how, how, how does that, how, do you know what I'm saying? It's because it feels like, yeah, it's, it's, there's so many versions of it. So how versions of Christianity, meaning whether it's Pentecostal, Protestant, Catholic, you sure. know, in the, then there's the Latter-day Saints. There's, there's, there's an entire world that relate, even Jesus is in the Quran. Like the Jesus is spoken of in the Quran more than Muhammad, which is wild. I just learned this last week or a couple of weeks ago. Um, 
so for you, like, what is, what does it mean to you to be a Christian? So the core of it is acknowledging that I am a sinner saved by God's grace, by the blood and the death of Jesus and his resurrection. That's what being a Christian is to me. Is, is your belief in, is your belief in that that actually happened? And as a result of it, your, your saved, your soul is, is going to spend eternity in with God. Is that yes. right? Yeah. Okay. hundred percent. But what about like, if Christian, from what I remember, it means little Christ, I guess, from like, which is like with, when they first called with, uh, with Paul, that, that they were to representing the, the behaviors and the, and the, the characteristics right. of it. Does, can you, so is, so, so I guess it's thing, both, which, it's really both, right? Yes. But there, but you have to acknowledge what is being, <laughs> I know you're starting to go Jesus like on us. <laughs> That's sure. It's inconvenient timing. Come on, shirt. I'm tempted to change, but you know, who's got the for time? All the people that might not, you know, go, oh, they're talking about Jesus. I might turn this off now. And then your shirt pops open. And so they're staying in for a little longer. <laughs> the Lord works in mysterious ways. <laughs> that is true. There's like, we'll keep them with the low button as we talk about all things. No, but it just, this conversation, Candace. You want to. <laughs> what what that out to everyone listening you can love jesus and still have a sense of humor oh for sure and that's one of the things i loved about working with you is you're conservative so to speak i guess i don't want to label you as anything but but you're you're so open-minded candace like you i you actually asked me questions i was sharing about certain things of some teachers i studied with that would have been outside of what you're used to and you mm-hmm you didn't, you didn't, you're, you're not closed minded. And I, I really, re- really respect that about you and my, you know, my, my fear and my concern is that Christians get quite a bad rep. And I know it cause I'm inside it for so long as the, what they see on television or televangelists and, and no disrespect to anybody who might be in that field, because I think God, like I said, works through all kinds of people and it's, it's an, it's just, it's a wild thing for me to navigate Candace. Like it's because I, I, I feel, I, I feel when I, what, what's representative often is so much judgment and fear and separation and punishment and torment in, and, and almost like rather, and I don't see as much of the grace and the mercy and the love and the open-minded and the, the, the forgiveness and the, like the example. And I, and those two things seem to be at, at war with each other in such an intense way. Yeah. And it's a shame, but we, we do have to understand the judgment and, and, all of the all of the awful things to recognize how powerful the grace is and the love if we don't understand that there are consequences 
and separation and judgment from God, we can then never fully understand the grace that God gives through Jesus Christ. So it's, it's a, to share the gospel is to share the whole thing. You can't only share the love and the grace and you can't only share about the judgment. The two go together. You only understand the grace and the love from understanding what's at stake. And that is judgment and separation. But they seem to me to be in such conflict because very rarely is it, is it easy to see what your motivation is in the sense where are you just trying to get a ticket to heaven or are you actually understanding like the grace side? And does that matter? Meaning like I grew up with a lot of fear. Mm-hmm. And that was what was motivating me for the longest time. And it caused right. a really great deal of, of distrust in my relationship with God and fear and punishment and torment. And when I had a kid, I was like, I would never torment and torture and destroy my own son. And so I had this really a, a big moment of, of going, listen, I would never hurt my own son. So why would God do that to me? And that's been something that, you know, I've always been really, and, and I've had no issue understanding the grace of God, but the old Testament of like how he could just destroy Jericho and like destroy all the firstborn. And I'm just like, what the this nickel? It doesn't, it just, it doesn't compute to a loving God to me. It makes me just go like, are these stories real that, and, and, and cause it's easy for me to understand the love of God, but the, the, the angry vengeful God, I'm just like, what? Yeah, listen, I'm reading, I'm reading through the Bible. I know I'm in, I'm in second Samuel right now, almost finishing up. And there's, there's a lot of that where you're like, wow, God's tough. And then I go, wow, I'm so grateful. I live on this side of the old and new Testament. I'm on the new Testament side. I'm so grateful. Right, right. And that's just how I have to think of it. There's a reason, but I wasn't born then. You know, I can read all about it and I might not fully understand it. I'm going to try and I'm going to keep reading to keep understanding God's heart. But man, I'm so grateful that I live on the New Testament side of things. Yeah. Um, But, you know, I think a lot of that comes with really reading the Bible. And so, you know, when I hear your story and you're like, I was raised with so much fear with God. It of course makes me sad that like, Oh, you were only taught of the, 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 the hardships or the fear, but not understanding the love and the mercy maybe when you were younger. So it can only become our own responsibility at some point to say, I'm going to not rely on everybody's teaching or my parents' teaching or whatever. I have to read this for myself. I need to ask God for understanding the scriptures. I need to do my own reading and research and prayer and allow God to work in my heart. There you go. And I love that's that. That's how I think things change. Because listen, there's lots of people that have bad experiences, lots of hypocrites in the church, awful people in the church. They're everywhere. They're in the church. They're out of the church. So it's like, you can only 
be accountable for what you choose to do and the time you choose to invest to learning it. If you're only going to go off what, what you experience because you ran into some jerks in your life, that's not the full understanding of the gospel, like, or the whole Bible. I'm like, you got to, you got to keep reading it. And it is like living water. It is continually um, working in your life. It sustains you. It's like, you can read a verse over and over and over and it, it feels new and fresh each time you read it because you have something different going on in your life and God's working it in a way that is revealing something to you at that specific moment. Mm. I mean, it sounds to me that, you know, this thing that drives you is, is sharing Jesus in the sense. And it's like, it feels what I hear when I hear you talk and share that there's that, that, that relationship you have with God lights you up from the inside in a way. And you really want other people to experience that, that, because it feels to me when you speak like freedom, not confinement. And I feel like religion, religion and rules often feels like confinement to people. And this whole conversation of commitment and confinement is a big breakthrough I just had. And I really want to get back to your, the thing with Val, and this will tie right into it with your husband is, I was afraid to commit to my fiance based on past experiences. And mm -hmm. I didn't even know it. It was another blind spot. But every other area of my life, my guitar, my scripts, every time I committed, there was freedom. The more I committed to my body, whether it's yoga or training, there was more freedom in my body. The more I would commit to God, there would there'd be more of a, of a freedom of understanding of 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 in my soul in a sense i know it's a bit abstract but but in relationships commitment was confinement i'm like if i commit here you mean i have to like this is going to be you know especially proposing and be, and getting married and thinking of the rest of my life which you've had 25 years with 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 your husband and i had this massive breakthrough on how the more i committed to every area of my life guitar scripts, God, my body, there was freedom, but not in relationships. And, and I was living in a, but life. Like I wanted freedom, but I, I wanted commitment, but I also wanted freedom. And it was one of my teachers was like shifted to an, and I want, I want to have commitment and I want freedom in your brain. Once it hears the, and we'll start figuring out a way to have to have both. But as soon as we put a button there and it was just yeah. such a big, it was such a big breakthrough, but I hear in your relationship to God, it seems to me that your commitment is freedom. It is. It's such freedom. That's the whole, that's like another one of the huge themes of the Bible. It is. Gives you freedom. Yes. God gives you freedom. Freedom, when you give his life, when you give your life over to him, it is such freedom. I don't, yeah, I don't look at it as restraint. I mean, there's things that to show the fruit of the spirit, to show the fruit of our love for God. I mean, those are things that you can see in someone's life. Um, but those are all things I want to do because I, I do feel such freedom in my relationship with God that I find such joy in pleasing him and honoring him and doing my best for him. It makes sense. And you live it like you live it in your lifestyle. And 
and I and uh, you know I'm grateful that there's a representation of that coming you know f- for people to see that that experience of your relationship and it looks it looks like something that's attainable and doable and attractive it doesn't look like like a lot of maybe some of the misrepresentation of what at least from my perspective I've seen out there but so when you met Val how old were you I was 18 and how and how old was Val 20 and was was when you met him was he a believer because like he's from Russia right yeah and so, uh, so he would he had called would consider himself a Christian but like we say he was like, like a holiday Christian you know go to church on Easter go to church on Christmas that's it and how how did the two of you meet and how did that journey of him like your love for God in his, you know, maybe not having the same thing. How did that, how did that work? Like I deferred, let's start with the, you telling the story, how you guys met. Okay. Well, we met at a charity hockey game. It was here in LA and Luke Robitaille was having a charity game that had both celebrities and pro hockey players in it. So Dave Coulier, who was on full house, uh, played Joey. He is a big hockey. He's a Detroit guy. So he played hockey and he invited uh, me and Lori and John and Bob to watch him in this charity game. But he he had told me ahead of time, he's like, there are these two really good Russian hockey players and they're around your age and I'm going to introduce you to them. So I was like, okay, I never watched hockey. Dave had taken me to one hockey game against the Kings and the Winnipeg Jets when I was like, 13 years old while we were doing full house, you know, and that was my only hockey game I'd ever seen. And now this was literally like the second game I'd ever been to. And it was a charity game. So anyway, he introduced me to Val and Pavel, but Val and I kind of like, I thought he was really cute and he thought I was cute. (laughs) So (laughs) he just, I, he asked for my phone number and I gave it to him. I wrote it on a blank check. I couldn't find a piece of paper. I was like, here I am. Well, that's, that's trusting. You're like, here's my phone number. I didn't, I was 18 and like, didn't even think about it. I was like, yeah, wrote a, gave him a blank check with my number on it. But he called me the next morning after that game, he called me at 10 AM the next morning. And he was like, do you want to go out to lunch? And, um, oh, but here's the cute part of the story. The cute part is anyway, we did, we went out to lunch. It was actually me, Lori, Pavel and Val, like the four of us. Cause I called Lori and I said, I want to, I really want to go to lunch with this guy, but I don't want to go on a date with someone. I like, I just met him last night and he doesn't even live here. So I needed a wing girl. So, (laughs) you know, Lori, Lori was already married and she's like, yeah, I'll go with you. And so the four of us had lunch together, but um, it was very cute because Val and Pavel had grown up and lived in Russia their whole life. And then had come out, Val had come out when he was like 18, um, just two years earlier, but he and his brother used to watch full house to learn English. So they were, you know, they were big fans of the show, but it literally taught them English. So they were, you know, excited to meet all of us. <laughs> so now here's like this Russian up and coming hockey star meets the American TV actress. And 
We went on a date and that was it. We kind of hit it off and we were engaged less than a year later. Are you serious? What was the, what was the second date? The second date wasn't for, it was four months later because we had talked on the phone because he was in uh, Montreal. So we talked on the phone and he kept inviting me to go visit him. And I'm like, I'm not going to visit you. I don't even know you. Like I went on one date with you. I'm not coming to visit you. Right, right, right. So we just kept talking on the phone. And then finally, it was actually right at Christmas time in December. And he invited me again. And I was like, "Um, okay, I'll come. And he was shocked. He told me later he was shocked, but I decided to visit him. And that was kind of it. After I went to visit him, I was like, oh, I really like him. But I'd gotten to know him so well because we talked on the phone like every day for four months. And how was his English? Great. Oh, great. Yeah. Great. How did he learn it so well? That from Fuller from Full from Full House, like well, I'm sure you know they learned English in school, so he yeah. did have an understanding. But when he orig- when he first came out here, he lived in Spokane because he wasn't he got drafted while from the, to the NHL while he was out here. But his his brother had come out because he was already playing for Vancouver, got drafted to Vancouver, and Val was younger, so he played for the Spokane Chiefs. And he okay. lived with a billet family. So that is what really threw him into, he had a basic understanding of English because he learned it in school, but living with an English-only speaking family, he learned it very, very fast. Oh, that's cool. That would, yeah. that would, that would help. So how, how did he start to like, how did his, his relationship with God and yours, like, how did that, that piece come together? Like, is it just a matter of time? Yeah. My relationship really grew, uh, in my early twenties. And especially after I had our first daughter, Natasha, because then I wanted to know, like, how do I want to raise my kids? And what do I want that relationship to be like with God? And it became more and more important to me. And then talking to Val about that, because in the beginning, we were kind of on the same page, like, oh, we're both Christians. Oh, we both believe in Jesus. But it just kind of ended there. We didn't go to church. We didn't read the Bible. It was a more of a surface belief. And after kids, I was like, no, I really, I started reading the Bible and I'm like, I want to go to church. I want to know what all of this says and make sure that what I believe is because I really believe it. And if I do, then I want the kids to know this. So it was a little bit of a struggle at first because Val was just like, whoa, like (laughs) you're on this Jesus thing and it's a little much and it's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I just kept pressing in and I kept praying most of all. And, and eventually, you know, Val came to Christ. And when I say that, I mean, he always believed in God, but he really came to his own relationship with God uh, a few years later. Mm. The timing of that just sounds so wild. If you've had this vineyard for 19 you said the vineyard's 19 years. Did he start the vineyard at like 24 or something? No, no, no. Hold on. My math is really bad, but 
No, 15 years, 15 or six, 15 years. Exactly. Got it. And yeah. so it was after his hockey that he, that he decided to, to do the, the vineyard. The vineyard. Yeah. Because when you're a professional athlete, I mean, he retired in his thirties, <laughs> you have to have a second yeah. career. Yeah. So, um, he always knew he wanted to go into food and wine for his second adventure. Yeah. Oh, I love it. There was something you shared about the, your, the story with him that, that was so sweet. I don't know if he showed up with flowers somewhere and it was just like, I remember you telling me this, there's a part of the story where, do you know what I'm talking about? No. Oh, maybe, maybe I misheard you. But when you told me there was this moment where it, maybe it was the note that you gave him with the, the that you, his phone number, but there, I remember there's another part that we're missing that I found that I thought was, that was so sweet. It kind of stuck with me and I, maybe it was something um, I'm kind of blanking on what it was. I am too. It was I cute. It was cute. I'm, I'm really, pr I'm really, uh, it's really amazing that you're in this business and he's a pro athlete and you've been married 25 years. Like what, what advice would you give someone that's just about to get married? Ooh. <laughs> Well, I would tell you, as I told, have told my kids, I'm like, please go to premarital counseling. Like, please just talk about, talk through marriage things that maybe you don't want to think about yet, or you just haven't thought of. But I think that marital, premarital counseling uh, would be so important yeah. to do. And of course, I would come at it from a biblical perspective. I would want biblical marriage, marriage counseling, but whatever your belief, I'd say go to premarital counseling. Um, yeah, but you know what? It's just like marriage, marriage to me, there's certainly a give and take. But when you get married, the hardest thing to realize is that you are no longer one. You are, this is, this is like a, like a touchy I thing. Know. I don't want anyone to like it, misinterpret my words, but you together become one person. So yes, you both are individuals, but marriage can often become so self-seeking. It's like, you have to fulfill my needs. I have to fulfill your needs. And mm -hmm. it's like, no. It's not how it works. Marriage is supposed to be you become better so that I help you become a better man and you are helping me become a better woman and the best woman that I can be. And I'm helping you become the best man that you can be. And so it's really looking to better your spouse. I don't mean better by changing your spouse, but I mean like what what can I do as the person by your side to help you grow and mature and reach the capability that you have? And how are you like, how is that person? I hope that their mindset is how am I going to do that for you? But most people look at marriage of like, I want this. I want that. He's not giving me this. She's not giving me that. And it, it's like, no, what are you giving them? Not what are you receiving? What are you giving them? That's the hardest part about marriage. But when you, when you figure it out and it's always ongoing, it, it will finally make sense and you'll both be happy. The more I pour into Val, the more he pours into me and the happier we are together because 
then we are giving each other what we want, but it's not coming from a selfish motivation. Did any of that make sense? I think think you explained that really well. You actually moved me to tears because there was... I really got the visual of it and it's and you know, my relationship with Kate works. We really were profoundly good match for one another. And in that way that we're constantly we're in at our beginnings. And when we, when we hadn't, we were, we were, it was a bit of give and take more in the sense where I do this for you. I do this for you. And, but as we've gotten closer and closer and closer and closer, that, that gap of, well, I do this for you. So then you do this for me is now, now that we're in a sense become like this, that's, that almost starts to just do this. And the way you shared it was so beautiful, Candace. And it actually gave me like, it hit me right in my heart as to a, how grateful I am that I am in a, a relationship that has that and 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 anybody listening to this too it's just like to figure out love like to figure out that it's not about not a selfish thing to just get your needs met but what you said was it's pour out yourself into that person and as you're meeting their needs and when it works they're meeting them right back but you're not like this you're you're doing it like this which is awesome yeah. Yeah. Paul, I, I have to go. I have a one, I have a one o'clock meeting. You do? Okay. I actually had a 1230 meeting, but I texted them. Then I put it to one, but I can't push it further than one. Can I rip through your upcoming things that are coming out? Let me just read them. I want everybody yeah, to sure. know. I want everybody to know that um, I've enjoyed this so much. I knew we needed me more too. time. Um, uh, the second, you have your second line drop with QVC on May 10th. That's coming out that's the clothing line. That's your clothing line. Now that's yeah. probably, that's, that's different from the, the day spring stuff, right? That's the Candace K. Correct. So it's all pretty much my name, but there's the Candace Cameron Burry clothing line, which is exclusive yeah. to QVC. And yeah. our next drop is May 10th. And you'll know that's important because it, it, it really might be only available for that day if it sells out again, like it did the first drop, it sold out within the the first, the same day. Wow. Um, And then I have my, I call it a mind style brand mind style because I really, it's, it's um, very intentional to, to help your, your mind and your, and your spirit more than just a lifestyle. So I call it a mind style brand. I love that. Um, and those are all my faith, faith driven products to help with life devotionals, Bibles, even house, homeware, gifts, and, and goods. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, that, what and is that all on QVC as well? Or is that, a, it's- well, all the Dayspring stuff you can find at dayspring.com or, right. uh, but you can also, some of it is on QVC as well. Okay. And there's always, it's always for a better price if it's on QVC, but we right. don't have all of it there. And um, this year will also be in all of the Hallmark gold crown stores and we're coming into Target as well. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and, and you have a Candace's playful puppy, which came out on the 26th and it's available everywhere. Congratulations. Yeah, that's it's a little like, children's book. That's the third in the series. So thanks. Um, They're super cute. There's three of them. Okay, great. And then there's a Torah tea garden mysteries, cold feet and the cold case, which is coming soon in May. We don't know the exact date. 
I think June 13th is our next one. Oh, uh, is it? Okay. Yeah, and that one, the June 13th is till death do us part. So Aurora and Nick are getting married. And then I just finished filming the, the one after that, um, Honeymoon, Honey Murder. Okay. <laughs> I don't have any for okay. that one. All right. Okay. Got it. Um, and then the level overall collection is your day screen collection. Got that. And that's, that's I like reading down the list. I so appreciate it. But. Yes. Well, I just wanted, I wanted to make sure that everybody knows my head's like, I'm a very busy guy, but this is actually, I'm actually really inspired by you. There's also a day spring devotional guide and a planner and there's, you know, the radical kind. Of, yeah. Don't, don't bother reading it all. There's tons of products on dayspring.com. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's a lot of stuff. So it's everywhere yeah. from stationary to planners, all kinds of paper goods, but we also have candles and mugs and doormats and we have an entire Christmas collection of all mm. Christmas decor. I mean, there's just lots of stuff, but we've right. written uh, five devotionals as well as the One Step Closer Bible, which has been wow. really incredible. Uh, wow. Bible, obviously I didn't write the Bible, but it's in the New Living Translation and it's got a help finder index. So we created this Bible because, and this is a great place to wrap up because we've talked about so many things about God. My purpose and my drive is to bring people one step closer to Jesus, which is why we named the Bible, the one step closer Bible. So as you read this Bible, because it's in a, it's in an everyday English translation. So it's modern day English. There are, there's like 500 pages in the back or 500 topics. I'm sorry, multiple pages where you can find any topic and it gives you help where to reference it. And it will also give you a little box that will help explain some of the things. So you're like, Hey, what does the Bible have to say about money or marriage or fear or grief or sex or whatever? And so we have the help finder index in the back and then right. things that tie it together. So you can really, it's helping you understand the Bible at your fingertips. I love that. Okay. And where can people find you just before you pump up, before you jump off? Okay. Um, um, well, you can, I'm like on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and it's all, and TikTok. <laughs> let's, let's be real. I'm on TikTok. Um, it's Candace C. Bure on all of those channels. And then you can find me at CandiceCBure.com, which is my website. And that will literally take you to every place and all, mm. you know, hook you up to QVC and Dayspring and all that kind of stuff. Great. Okay. That sounds like a simple place. Well, it's it's been so great to, I'm glad we, this is exactly what I wanted, Candice. I wanted to dive into some of this with you and really understand your perspective on it. And thank you for sharing from your heart about this. Thank you. And thanks for listening and being a gracious host. And I always love talking to you. I always, yeah. you're just a cool dude. You're a cool we, ha we have to find a way to do Christmas Detour too. I, I don't <laughs> care what it takes. These two have to get married and we, I, everybody <laughs> wants it. We'll get Ron back. Like I must do another picture with you. That would be super fun. It yeah. really would. We didn't even get to fan questions and I'm so sorry. 
We'll do a part on your podcast. Okay. I think we need to. I think okay. we need to. Okay. Love you, darling. Thanks for being here. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed our conversation. I sure did. Candace is one special woman. Thank you so much for being here and sharing and subscribing and all that fun stuff. Please leave a review here. That helps a great nugget of a deal. The video of this is going to be on YouTube on my YouTube channel, Paul Green Official, shortly. You can uh, check out uh, all of my socials at Paul Green Official and Twitter's Paul Green Media, but follow the conversation there. And you can direct message me over on Instagram. I do check those quite often let me know a good request of somebody you might want to see i mean listen to and see also just go over to youtube and subscribe there turn on that ding dong bell so you know when i'm posting new there i go live quite a bit there especially fridays i go live on facebook sundays for gospel hour play some music there so thank you so much for being here remember to be gentle and tender and loving and kind towards yourself, in your thoughts, on purpose, and that fear is the absence of love. I love you until soon. Bye for now.